Here's the funny thing. If you go on Amazon, there really is a book called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And I don't know if it's just somebody uh, spoofing that or what, but uh, it doesn't appear to be a bestseller. But um, it's good advice. It's good advice. We all have a tendency to buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't know, mortgaging a future we won't be able to enjoy because we can't, uh, because of a past we can't forget, and that's why the present stinks. That's why we're in the trouble we're in. Now, some of you are inwardly groaning because we're starting this series to help you find financial freedom. And you don't like talking about money in church. You don't like talking about it anywhere else either. In fact, most people don't even want to think about their finances. Most people don't want to look at their finances for the same reason that they don't want to step on the bathroom scale. They don't want to see just how big the problem has become. And today we're beginning this life-changing series called The New ABCs of Financial Freedom. And it's based not on the book, Don't Buy Stuff That You Cannot Afford. It's based on the greatest book of all times. It's based on the Bible. It's based on the Word of God. Every premise, every principle, every promise uh, that we're going to talk about all come from the Bible, the Word of God. And we have given everybody a free book. It looks like this, and uh, it's called The ABCs of Financial Freedom, or The New ABCs of Financial Freedom, and it's based on the Bible. And if you haven't picked one up yet, there's still some available on the tables by the doors, and you can pick one up today and uh, begin reading through it with us. We also gave you $100 when you came in, Monopoly money, so it won't buy you lunch. Sorry about that. But uh, also on the tables um, is a list of frequently asked questions that was put together by the author of uh, the book, Barry Cameron, and uh, we invite you to pick those things up. This Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, I am going to begin leading a, a growth group, a specialty growth group that deals with this subject and goes a little bit deeper, and we'll have a workbook for you if you show up here at the landing uh, on um, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and I would be glad to have you join that group with me. Now, um, if you have been around Impact for a while, this might seem a little familiar to you because we did a series on the first edition of the ABCs of Financial Freedom about eight years ago, and it changed the financial future of several of our families. So I'm serious when I say that this book and this series can be life-changing for you and for your family. And the reason that we're doing this series, we're doing all of this to help you get your financial house in order. We want to help you get your financial house in order. And we live in a time of economic uncertainty. And maybe things are getting a little better and maybe they're not. I still hear from many of our families that they're just really struggling in this area of finances, and we haven't addressed this subject in almost two years. So, if we're going to help you have the best year ever, we need to see what we can do to bring biblical wisdom 
to this important area also, uh, not just so that you can have more money, but so that you can have peace, so that you can have peace in your relationships. Did you know that the number one cause of divorce in the United States today is financial stress, disagreement about money? So we feel this series is important. And I don't normally like to preach uh, other pastors' messages, but for this series, I'm trying to stay pretty close to the messages provided to us by Pastor Barry Cameron, the author of the ABCs. And here's an overview of some of the things we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about how to live in such a way that God can bless you. We're going to talk about how you can get out of debt forever. We're going to talk about who's behind your financial problems and how you can solve them. And then we'll talk about the most important step on the road to financial freedom. And then we'll end the series by receiving encouragement from the author, Barry Cameron. Barry Cameron is going to be here in person on March 23rd and 24th, and you will get to hear directly from him the extraordinary steps that he and his family took to get out of debt completely, and uh, that included their mortgage. And Barry will tell you how he has lived completely debt-free for over 15 years. And he will encourage us to work hard as individuals and as families to free ourselves from debt by doing things God's way. So as we begin this series, let's pause for a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, this subject tends to make some people defensive. And so, Father, would you just take away any defensiveness we might feel and help us to hear directly from you? Would you help us, Father, to focus not upon our ideas or upon what we think, but focus upon you and what you think and what you have revealed to us. And Father, we're so thankful for all that you have given to us. And now, Father, uh, we also want to pause and pray for our students, our junior high and uh, high school students that are away at uh, their conference. And we pray, Father, that this will be a defining moment in their lives spiritually. And we pray, Father, that you will give them safety as they travel back. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The average person doesn't really believe they have a problem when it comes to finances. They don't. I mean, they think that they're fine as long as they're making all of their monthly payments and that... They're fine if they have money to go out to eat or go to a ball game or go to a movie. And they believe as long as they can continue to indulge themselves from time to time, they are just fine financially. And to be honest, most people, when it comes to their finances, are a little bit like an alcoholic or a drug addict or a gambler or a person addicted to pornography. They say, no, I don't have a problem. I, I don't have a problem. A few years ago, there was an article in USA Today with the headline, Mind Over Money, and it was by Brad and Ted Klontz, and here is some of what they said, quote, don't feel bad if you have money issues. They are not your doing. 
According to the authors, the accusation that your financial difficulties are your fault and stem from being lazy, crazy, greedy, or stupid is the big lie about personal finances. That's on page one. In a chapter called The Zoo in You, they also say that you have a crocodile, a monkey, and a scientist in your brain. That's right, a, a crocodile, a monkey, and a scientist in your brain. And it says when it comes to money, more often than not, our impulses and emotions, uh, our inner crocodile and monkey, not our scientist, are running the show. Now, saying you and I are not responsible for our money problems or blaming them on our inner crocodile or monkey or even the scientist is almost as dumb as the guy in New York who sued fast food chains for making him fat. You remember that? He filed suit against McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and KFC, claiming that they helped contribute to his obesity. He told Good Morning America, they never explained to me what I was eating. Now, as I recall, he didn't win his lawsuit, but a guy in Brazil did. Yes, uh, a guy in Brazil was awarded $17,500 in damages. The 32-year-old man sued McDonald's for making him fat and blamed it on the fast food chain's free lunches. That's what he said made him fat. And here's another surprising fact. He was the manager of McDonald's. Isn't that something? It's like the truck driver from Texas who drove through the Lincoln Tunnel from New Jersey to Manhattan in his big rig loaded with bathtubs and toilets and plumbing fixtures. And that ordinarily wouldn't be a problem except for the fact that his tractor trailer was 13 feet 6 inches high and the tunnel has a height limit of 13 feet. And he drove the entire mile and a half of the tunnel, tearing his way under the Hudson River in a tunnel's center tube and peeling back the roof of his tractor trailer as if it were a tin can. No one was injured, but an undetermined amount of tunnel ceiling tiles were destroyed. Here's the picture. Wow. Wow. And... It's really unclear why the driver didn't pay attention to the warnings from the flashing signs and even from the loudspeaker. A spokesman for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey said there were enough bells and whistles going off that this should not have happened. Well, there's a lot of things that shouldn't happen, but they do. Why do things happen? Well, it's because like the truck driver in the tunnel we don't pay attention to the warnings. We think we're just fine. We think we don't need anyone telling us what to do. And so we keep going, even if it means that we may destroy the very things and the very people that we love the most. And you can, if you'd like to, open your Bible or your device to First Corinthians or First Chronicles 29. And you can read along there or you can read along on, our, on the screen or in your notes. But in this passage, we have the words of David, Israel's greatest king. And he shows us 
what the right attitude towards money looks like. Let me read that to you. I'll start in 1 Chronicles 29 with verse 10. David praised the Lord in front of all the people who were gathered. He said, we praise you, Lord, God of our father Israel. We praise you forever and ever. Lord, you are great and powerful. You have glory, victory, and honor. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, Lord. You are the ruler over everything. Riches and honor come from you. You rule everything. You have the power and the strength to make anyone great and strong. Now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. These things did not really come from me or my people. Everything comes from you, and we have given you back what you gave us. Now, if we're going to get our financial house in order, we're going to have to be like David was, and we're going to have to have the right attitude. Notice the things that David said to God. He said, everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. Then he said, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over everything. Third, he said, you have the power and strength to make anyone great or anyone strong. And then he said, the things we give don't really come from us at all. Everything comes from you. And then lastly, he said, everything we give is already yours. We just give it back. If we're ever going to be able to achieve financial freedom, it will all begin with our attitude. It'll begin with our attitude. It really does. I mean, if your attitude about money is based on what the world around you thinks, this will always be an area of stress for you, and it will always be an area of stress for those around you. Even if you have enough to do everything that you want to do, your attitude about finances matters. And if you don't think that you have enough, then your attitude about finances matters. And if you leave God out of this area of your life, you will continue to play games with the money that God gave you, and you won't win. You'll continue to play games with God's money, and you won't win. So let me suggest five attitude changes we all need to make. If you want to achieve financial freedom, first, you've got to change your attitude from, I don't need a plan, to, if I don't follow God's plan, I don't have a prayer. You've got to change from, I don't need a plan, to, if I don't follow God's plan, I don't have a prayer. You can't afford to keep driving through the tunnel as if nothing's wrong. It's time to hear the warning bells. It's time to uh, make a plan to deal with your finances. Proverbs 29, 18 is commonly quoted from the King James Version where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But it's better translated a little differently. Look at the New Living. It says this, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. When people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. What does it mean when it says they run wild? It means they don't have a plan. 
They lose all self-control. They live without restraint. They do just whatever they want to do. And that verse describes how people today deal with their finances. When you and I don't have God's vision for our finances, when we just do our own thing and go our own way, we're just like that truck driver uh, in the tunnel. We're destroying uh, our own. He was destroying his own truck and not even knowing it. Without God's plan... Without God's vision for our finances, when we get to the other side, we find that we've destroyed everything, and most likely, we've destroyed everyone that we love and care about. And that's not a good outcome. That's not a good outcome. But here's a better idea. Look at Proverbs 16. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. I know everyone hates spending plans. Everyone hates budgets. I mean, they feel like they put handcuffs on us, that they spoil our fun. But in truth, letting God help us make financial plans leads to success. So we need this new attitude. Secondly, if you want to achieve financial freedom, you've got to change your attitude from what I do with my money is my business to what I do with God's money is God's business. Like David said in the passage in 1 Chronicles, he said, everything in heaven and earth belongs to God and all things come from him and everything we give to him was already his in the first place. One of the reasons people don't like to talk about finances in church is they think it's none of our business, it's their business. They think it's their business. Even people who have been Christ followers for a long time seem to think this. Some may even decide that they're going to avoid church for a few weeks because they don't think we have any right to talk to them about their money. Now, if you feel that way or when we feel that way, we don't just have a bad attitude we have a wrong theology. We have a bad theology. We mistakenly believe that what we have is ours rather than his. We think it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. And when I realize it's God's money, then I have to think about using it in the ways that he intends. And if you don't believe it's his, ask yourself this, how much do you get to take with you when you die? How much of that stuff is going with you when you die? It's his, not mine. Therefore, what I do with it is his business, not mine. Third, if you want to achieve financial freedom, you've got to change your attitude from there's nothing I can do to there's nothing God can't do. You've got to change from there's nothing I can do to there's nothing God can't do. Some of you really believe that your financial situation is hopeless. You do. I mean, you've evaluated it over and over again, and you've tried. I mean, you've tried taking out loans, and then later you've had to consolidate those loans, and you've tried so many times, and now you think you're so deep in that financial hole that there's just no way that you can climb out. Here's what I want you to hear today. It's not hopeless. There is no such thing as hopeless situation when God's involved. There is no such thing as a hopeless situation when God's involved. Can I just pause right there? 
I kind of felt all weekend that God is bringing some people here today to hear that sentence. There is never a hopeless situation when God is involved. It might be about your finances. It might be about your marriage. It might be about any number of things. There's no such thing as a hopeless situation when God is involved. He can help you out of your mess. He really can. Look at this verse from Ephesians 3. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all times, forever and ever. Amen. It really might be true. There's nothing that you can do on your own about your financial situation, but there's nothing God can't do. If you will use his principles in your finances, you will find hope and success. Fourth, if you want to achieve financial freedom, you've got to change your attitude from giving to get, uh, giving to get something to giving for no other reason than I love God. You've got to change from giving to get to giving for no other reason than I love God. Jesus said, you will have a greater blessing when you give than when you receive. Has anyone ever asked you, I don't think most of us talk about this, so probably not. Has anybody asked you, why do you give? Why do you give? Or maybe the question is, why don't you give? Why don't you give? Have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever really prayed about why you give to God or don't give to God? There are four levels of giving, and I believe every one of us in this room is on one of these four levels. Let me quickly describe them. The first level is hesitant giving, hesitant giving. And the people at this level don't know yet whether or not they can trust God. They don't know whether they can trust God. And these people are people who really honestly believe that they can't afford to give. And these are people who can think of all of the reasons why not to give, but they struggle to find any right reasons to give. They're hesitant. The second level is obedient givers. These are people who are doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, the Bible says I ought to do this, so I'm doing it. That's what they say. They can quote to you what the Bible says about bringing the full 10% uh, to God. And they can even tell you that Jesus said that we should give 10%. And they want to obey him, and so they're doing that. And they're like those people who actually drive the speed limit. You know those people? You probably get frustrated occasionally with them on the road. But they actually drive the speed limit. They drive down the road and they see that sign and it says 65 and so they go 65, right? Because they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's not a bad thing. It, it's a good thing. It's a safe thing. And when it comes to giving, these people are not necessarily joyless or joyful in their giving. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. And I think God sees that and God honors that in their life. Level three is abundant giving. Abundant giving. These are people who do what they're supposed to do 
and beyond. These people bring their tithe, their 10%, and they also give offerings above that. And many have become abundant givers for the first time during our unstoppable season here at the church, and they've been blessed by that. These people go beyond what's expected to what's exhilarating. And they're full of joy and expectation about what God can do. And they may have stories about what God has done in them and through them and how God has provided for them. The fourth level of giving is extravagant giving. Extravagant giving. And these are people who give sacrificially. They bring God's 10% and they give their offerings and then they give even more than that. And again, some have become sacrificial givers, maybe for the first time during Unstoppable. They've given up things that they would have had so that people in our community could have a place where they could come during the week and build relationships with other people and a place where they can come on the weekends and build a relationship with Jesus. And I think those that have given extravagantly, those that have given sacrificially would tell you it hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. It's been worth it. In fact, those who give at this level have learned that they actually love to give. They love to give, and now they look for ways to give. They're extravagant givers, they're expectant givers, they're excited givers. So what level are you on? Which of those four levels are you on? And once you figure that out, ask yourself, where do you think God wants you to be? Which level? There's a fifth attitude change that we need to make, and that is we need to change our attitude from honoring God with my wealth is where I want to end up to honoring God with my wealth is where I want to begin. You got to change from honoring God with my wealth is where I want to end up to honoring God with my wealth is where I want to begin. Here's something that I have known since the very first year that I served as a pastor. I've known this for over 40 years. Every Christ follower wants to give. Every Christ follower really wants to give. They want to use their money to do what God wants them to do. They want Jesus to be proud of how they use their money, and they may be struggling with that, and, but they want that. And most would tell you that they're working towards it, that they want to end up there. But the attitude we need is that honoring God with my finances is where I want to start, not where I hope to end up. Look at this passage from uh, Proverbs chapter 3. By the way, these verses fall right after those verses about trusting the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding. This comes right after that. Look at what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first fruits of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We honor the Lord uh, when we give him the best part or what the Bible calls the first fruit of all we produce or all that we receive. This means that we give to him first. We give him our 10% or more before we pay our bills or anything else. In other words, we give him the best part, not the leftovers. The best part, not the leftovers. And I know that seems backwards to some of you. 
I know many of you are planning on being great givers right after you pay off that student loan or those credit cards. But even Dave Ramsey in his financial peace material teaches that you start by giving your 10%, your tithe to God. You begin by honoring him. And when you do that, the verse is very clear. Circle the word then in those verses. When we honor God and we bless him first, then he blesses us and honors us with plenty and with overflowing. And I can personally testify that even when you're in a financial mess, maybe especially when you're in a financial mess, honoring God first will result in you receiving a flood of blessings. You will receive a flood of blessings. And by the way, not all of them will be financial. In fact, the very best blessings you will receive may not be financial at all, but when you honor God with your finances, then He will bless you. He will bless you with what you need. He will bless you with peace. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're making a mistake because you think that I'm talking about giving right now, and I'm not. I'm, I'm just not. We're not talking about giving. We're talking about trusting God. We're talking about trusting God enough to believe Him, to put Him first in your life, to do your finances and everything else in your life according to His plan. We're not talking about giving. We're talking about trusting God, about trusting Him. Randy Alcorn says it this way, it's impossible to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus without also becoming a fully developed steward of your resources. What he's saying there is you will never become a fully devoted follower. You will never become spiritually mature until you become devoted to doing your finances God's way. Not just what you give, but what you keep also. You see, we've got to learn to do finances God's way and we've got to follow God's plan and some of you are saying pastor I am just never going to be able to get to that level of extravagant giver can I just say here's my answer you aren't going to do that get there if you're going to keep doing things the way you've been doing them that's not working for you you're not going to get there if you keep doing things the way you've been doing them you aren't going to get there by playing games with God's money but you can get there. You can achieve financial freedom for yourself and for your family. That can be a legacy you hand down to your kids. And this series will help you do that. But it all begins with your attitude. It all really begins with your attitude. When Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast in 2005, it was really indiscriminate in its destruction. It destroyed roads and houses and businesses, but it also destroyed churches. It destroyed churches. And not only did some of those churches uh, end up losing their building and their facility, they also lost multitudes of families who had to flee the city and wound up scattered all over the country. Although it would have been easy for them to feel discouraged, it would have been easy for them to complain, 
One church, here's what it was called, White Dove Fellowship International Outreach Center. That's right, White Dove Fellowship International Outreach Center. It's quite a name, isn't it? How would you like to answer the phone in their office? But uh, White Dove Fellowship International Outreach Center had a different attitude. It was a church of 3,000, and when it met for the first time after the hurricane, just 300 people showed up for church. And during an emotional sermon, Pastor Mile offered a unique Christian perspective on the tragedy and how it had affected his congregation and how many people had been forced to move away. He told his people, quote, we have successfully planted people all over the United States. He focused not on their loss, but on how they had helped other churches by sending people to them. And his positive perspective didn't end there. He also noted, we used to sing, Jesus is all we need. Now he's all we've got. We used to sing, Jesus is all we need. Now he's all we've got. What a great attitude. That's the attitude we need to have. Our finances really are not the significant thing in our life. Jesus is. Jesus is. And if we're going to become all God wants us to be, if we're going to have the best year ever, we need Jesus. We need to depend on him. We need to trust him in every single area of our life. And if you don't know Jesus or you're struggling with trusting him, then you need to stop by our Next Steps canopy at the back of the room and talk with somebody there. Let them pray with you about that. But if you're ready to walk towards financial freedom, it becomes... It begins with changing your attitude. You've got to change your attitude. Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, in this room, there are people who are so defensive. They just don't want to talk about finances or hear about finances and Father, would you help them to see that when they do that, they're pushing you further away because you desperately want to help them. You desperately want them to trust you. And Father, this one area gets in the way of so many people in their relationship with God. And so, Father, would you just gently nudge each one of us to trust you more to give you this area of our life also. Father, we are so thankful for all that you have blessed us with. We're so thankful for everything you've given to us. And Father, we just want to proclaim that everything that we have, everything in heaven and on earth, belongs to you. And Father, even the things that we give is just us giving back what's already yours. Father, we just ask that you step into our heart, step into our world, and that you just intervene, that you give us your hope. And Father, we are so thankful that there's nothing you can't do, that with you there's always hope, that there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. So Father, would you just help us trust you enough to 
begin by honoring you. In Jesus' name, amen.